Welcome, everybody, to the For the Geeks podcast. Today is January 15th, 2023, the f- first podcast of the new year. We're back from our break. John's not here because he's a hoe, but today we have Boss and Uni here with me. How have you guys been these past couple weeks? How's your new year started so far? Um, mine's been fine. Uh I'm back in LA after being in Mexico for two weeks, so nice. that's fun. Uh, it's been raining as shit. Uh, oh yeah. <laughs> so I didn't get to really do anything Saturday. I was gonna have lunch with uh, Sean. Oh really? Okay. Yeah, but it started raining, and I was like, "Yeah, you know what? If <laughs> I, I think that's not gonna happen, and today I'm not doing shit." So right, yeah. right. Sean, I st- I still talk to him. I still communicate with him on Instagram. I usually send him certain types of humor that I can't send other people because they wouldn't get it. That I can't really speak freely what kind of humor that is here because it's um, mm-hmm. boss. You understand, but um, I'll ask you those questions after the uh, the the podcast. But anyway, um, how about you, Uni? How you been? I've been great. I've been good. I've been uh, moving my schedule around because I do have a resolution towards where I want to play the games that I have so far. Nice. And I have a lot of games. I have a bad habit, but I have a lot Me of too. games. And I wanted to beat them this year. And I started playing Resident Evil, which was a strange idea, but I did it. And it was actually really fun. So I mean, I'm pretty good right now. I'm just playing all my games. So it's just like a nice thing to do. Yeah, yeah. I mean, video games are great. Um, which uh, Resident Evil, and was this for the the Friday the Thirteenth thing, or was that a different game? Yes. So oh, okay. I had I had some people vote against Plectels. Um Originally, I did want to Blair Witch personally because I wanted a Blair Witch project, but I had Plectels, Alien Isolation, and oh, Alien uh, Isolation. Resident Evil Seven. Okay. And, and most people voted Resident Evil Seven. So okay. I was honestly. A, <laughs> it was a traumatic experience. It was really good, but um, I think I almost passed out on the street again. Wait, what? Like sleeping or or something else? Like I got sick. I got so scared at one point that I I think I over did it for myself, and I oh, just got shit. like. Really I, I mean, to me, it's completely normal. It's fine. It's nice, but I I don't overdo it. But it just it was just a really good game. That's all I can say. Okay, now uh, I was thinking of passing out. I'm like, oh wait, yeah, people do faint when they get scared. That's right. <laughs> I forgot that's a thing. Um, I don't think I've ever had that when it comes to. I don't. I don't particularly like horror video games, or horror movies, because they're typically predictable. Well, movies are predictable. They all suck. But for me, games. There's you. You have to be really crafty on how to spook me in games. Dead Space did a really good job of it, which we'll talk about that game later because they have a remake coming out, um, and. That the level of creepiness in that game, like when I get scared, I, I like I don't, I don't faint. I just scream really loud because I'm angry because I got scared, like fuck or whatever, you know. Because you just want to kill the monster, but they scared the shit out of you, so you're running away or something. Yeah. Well, that's good. I'm glad the uh, the stream was successful. What uh, did the the group hang out? Did anyone from the group hang out with you during the recording or? Yeah. Yaya with me. He was like, um, Yaya, my beacon, I guess. After I was gonna say, say something, but yeah, he's he was there with me, but I was still so terrified. Oh. Like, we're both just chilling. It was, yeah, 
He was helping me out um, a okay. couple of times. He saw some things I couldn't even see for myself. That's that's usually what's helpful about uh, being a streamer is people can notice things when you're not paying attention and you're just like, oh shit, okay. Um, it always helps to have the when you have when you have that for streaming at least you have the the back seating allowed available um, as like a tag or whatever. I usually play with no back seating so I can just figure shit out for myself. But I'm glad you had a successful run with the the thing and whatever. Did um, are we gonna like upload that on YouTube or anything or is that just on the the for the geeks uh twitch do you know i'm not sure yet i'm gonna make some i'm not sure yet i was originally for that friday but i did miss the mark but we're gonna go ahead and still use that clip okay cool i'm just curious all right um so good to see you guys doing well for me um i got new toys literally i got new toys to photograph which um I'll link some of the photos in the Discord later. Uh, basically, I collect Star Wars, fucking Witcher, uh, Lord of the Rings, and uh, Power Ranger. All these six-inch figure toys. And I bought this $90 uh, diorama that I folded out. And now I use it like as a background and shit. And I just pose the figures. And I take pictures. So that's what I've been doing for the past two weeks. It's been pretty cool. Because I get... I, mean, I, I got some pretty cool halo results to the point where like the official halo page on Instagram actually liked my photo. And, um, that's pretty, that's a pretty cool accomplishment for me. If I say so myself, cause I've only had that happen like one other time with like popular cosplayers. They're just like, Oh nice. Thanks for the picture or whatever. Um, although I tend to buy more, I, I plan to buy more dioramas because I need to, I like, I really like this hobby. Like, I first started with doing normal photography with cosplayers and now I discovered toy photography and I think I could do more with toys because you don't have to pay toys money to stand there and pose. You can just pose them however you want. You don't have to feed them. You don't have to wait for them to change or take a shit or whatever. So should be cool. Um, <clears throat> but other than that, I've been enjoying the rain here. I don't know if you guys have been getting rain and where you're at uni, but we've been having like constant rain for the past x amount of weeks or whatever it's great but like there's floods and shit for like norcal for southern california we don't have any there's no floods down here it's still fucking dry for some reason <laughs> um i'm so sorry yeah i heard and over here we have like big storm but it's mostly cold mm, okay. oh that's good you don't have any uh water issues and shit um yeah i don't, I don't think we're even close to getting out of the drought no, because we don't know how to harness the water properly for some reason. But anyway, um, getting into geek stuff, um, let's see. First off the list, The Last of Us. So I don't know. I talked to Boss a little bit before you came in here, Uni. I'm excited personally for The Last of Us TV show tonight. That should be pretty cool because I have, I you know, I have faith in the actors and. The inter whoever got the access to the episodes early, because that's what review sites do, they said the content was pretty damn good. It was like an 8 or 9 on like IGN or something for like the first episode or whatever, which is coming from IGN. That's a big number considering they rank everything at a 7. Um, so are you guys excited for that TV show on HBO Max, I believe? Yeah. I canceled my subscription to HBO Max. You can pirate uh, it. After, 
<laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, no, uh, like, yeah, I was saying to you, um, you know, it's, yeah, the game is already pretty cinematic and oh, it yeah. feels like it's kind of a live action thing. Like if you're going to make a game kind of or a survival or a series, <clears throat> that's like one of the ones on the top of the list that it's pretty easy to just transfer it through. Cause there's a lot of emotional depth. Yeah. It's really just like a story between two people. So. Mm-hmm. I'm excited. I feel like it's a different art form. Like, yes, you could play for the first one. It is very cinematic. It's very good. Oh, don't yeah. get me wrong. But I'm extremely excited for the show just to see the different art form, how they interpret everything. Because um, I was reading and they were saying that they got came they came close. Mm-hmm. And so I'm like excited to see just I know it's going to be a little different. It's not going to be the exact same thing, but I'm still excited to see how it all came together. Mm-hmm. I am very much so in that same category because <clears throat> I'm always looking for a really good live action adaption of either a game or an anime because ever since I was in high school and bosses gave me his friend's copy of Adobe After Effects, I was always trying to make, you know, Dragon Ball Z effects on like YouTube and shit and to see how far I could go with recreating it and they usually sucked but i had fun doing it um but it's just cool to finally see that hollywood's like okay maybe there's a market here in making live action stories from whatever i just wish most of hollywood would stick to the source material or stick to what makes the anime special in terms of storytelling instead of going off the rails it looks like the Last of Us will be sticking to the story, unlike Rings of Power and Halo, for example, when they, you know, or even The Witcher, where they're just, they don't give a shit and they want to make their own story and try to be unique, but they end up pissing off the whole fandom and losing money. So hopefully they don't have that problem with The Last of Us. Because um, that actually ties into what I was going to talk about next. I don't know if you guys uh, watch or heard of the the YouTube channel Corridor or Corridor Digital. They did like a, a VFX artist react to um, some of the, the new stuff that came out in the past year. So like the Pinocchio movie from Guillermo, Guillermo, Guillermo del Toro, they praised it. They're like, okay, this is good. Good stop motion. He had like X amount of years to make this movie. And then they get to Disney's Pinocchio and they're like, what the fuck is this? You have like one of the richest companies in the world and they have such a shitty budget that they had... They basically, like, there's, like, a scene where Tom Hanks is running away from Monstro in the boat. Or he's, you know, swimming away because Pinocchio's pushing the boat. They basically just threw water on Tom Hanks to make him wet. And then they just dropped him in a CGI ocean. And you could tell, they they zoomed in, and it's CGI because none of the water is sticking to his clothing. It just touches it, and it goes off, and it doesn't make the clothing wet. That's how cheesy and crappy uh, Disney's VFX was on the movie, which I'm just surprised because it's Disney. They don't, they shouldn't have such a minuscule budget. And that breaks, that breaks the immersion for um, live action. And then they went on to talk about like how I got another video like uh, today of how like why anime is different or even games is different from uh, storytelling than live action. And one of the biggest things is masks. If you look in anime, a lot of, they don't they don't really care. They don't have a, a, a minuscule budget to worry about. They don't have time constraints. They do, but it's it's looser. And 
for example, Kakashi in Naruto. Okay, he looks like he's going to remove his mask. And then what does he do? There's another mask under it. If they made a live action of that, they would show his face from the very beginning and there would be no mystery around around the guy. So that's one thing that Hollywood does is they don't know how to properly build up a character. They'll just... In, in storytelling, you're supposed to show, not tell in terms of like exposition. So... A lot of the time, Hollywood would just be like, okay, this is Robert Downey Jr. We have to show his face a lot, even though Iron Man wears his mask all the fucking time in the comics and whatever. We don't care. We're going to show the guy's face because we don't know what he's feeling. Like you, In anime, you don't have to do that. We know what they're, they're feeling because of the way everything is set up. So I hope they're, they're able to communicate that with The Last of Us because, yeah, like a lot of the time, they, they don't know what the fuck they're doing, especially with the Cowboy Bebop um, Netflix. Everything that happened in like, a five second panel of animation, the live action Netflix for Cowboy Bebop extended it to like three minutes of useless information, which I I can't believe they did that. Like, I think it was like Spike was looking at, it was the scene where Spike is revealed and he lifts up the sombrero or whatever. And then the live action, it's just a bunch of shots looking from Spike looking at the, the bad guy and they just cut in between the two for like five takes for some reason. Like that's that's terrible storytelling. So I hope I don't see any of that. I'm really excited for Last of Us because yeah, again, it's good cinematic story. Um, so yeah, I just went on a very long fucking speech right there. <laughs> but I get excited when I talk about these things. No, but um, I was gonna say I. In terms of the gaming for Last of Us, I don't know where they're going to go with it because I know Naughty Dog, like, they're just shifting everything towards The Last of Us. For some, Like, they just don't care about Jack and Daxter anymore. They don't care about uh, Uncharted. They clearly don't care about Uncharted because of that horrible movie that came out. Um, and, like, I, w- I was disappointed when they released the Uncharted, um, I think that the... This, whatever edition they released on PC, it was only Uncharted 4 and, like, the side story or whatever. Did you play any of the Uncharted games, boss? Or uni? I played the first one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then uh, I played a little bit of multiplayer on it because um, I just thought it was fun throwing propane tanks around and shooting them and stuff and blowing people up. Oh, yeah. That, that, that was fun. I remember those days. Um <laughs> No, no, I don't no, remember don't. the first one. I don't remember the first two. I know the recent one. Well, to me, it was recent. I know that the latest one, uh, that's the one I did really get into. Um, yeah, I was having fun with that. I was just laughing at myself. But um, <laughs> no, um, to go on what you were saying, I just feel like Naughty Dog, no, not Naughty Dog. I just feel like Last of Us was just their most successful and so they're sticking to it. They're yeah. just sticking. Yeah, that's like uh, Ubisoft with Assassin's Creed. You know, you have Assassin's Creed, Ghost, um, Ghost Recon, and Splinter Cell as their big titles. And then over time, Splinter Cell, Splinter Cell just failed because, well, because they they fucked up with Blacklist and they lost six million dollars on that stupid game. Um, and then Ghost Recon just became it went from being tactical to open world let's just shoot people wherever we want and now it's just assassin's creed and it got to the point where they had to remake assassin's creed to be how the originals were because people were sick of the open world rpg shit and they're still banking on 
Assassin's Creed. So I kind of hate that when when gaming companies are like, okay, this one thing works, let's stick with it and milk the shit out of it and ignore all of our other, uh, you know, great IPs and stories and whatever. Because um, I know like, because like Square Enix doesn't do that. They have Final Fantasy and then they have like Tactics Ogre. They have Octopath Traveler. Now they have Harvestella. They have all these other games, even though their big ticket is Final Fantasy and Final Fantasy fourteen. I just wish, you know, I would love to see a current day Jack and Daxter reboot or whatever. Like, because I couldn't beat the first game. I beat the second and third one. Those were really fun with all the dark eco and light eco. And, um, yeah, as much as I love, and, and I would love more Uncharted games. That would be great. But I don't think we're going to get that. They're just going to stick with what, what works in, in their eyes and whatnot, unfortunately. Um <clears throat> Let's you see. made a uh, two good points there. Uh, oh, or at least the last point you just said about uh, studios. Like you'd figure, like okay, you know, you have like a studio that's making a ton of money off of one IP. Mm-hmm. It's like all right, well now it would be different if it's like okay, like a low budget studio that like made a franchise, and it's like okay, that's what they need in order to remain profitable, yeah. and have their employees. But like if you're sitting on a like a gang of money that should give you like some creative freeway and leeway to like you know have like a couple of developers uh like branch off and say okay we're gonna work on this project and see what happens like we can we can give up well not give up but we can invest like two three million dollars and see if something happens and this might be a great game like a little uh, you know uh game that comes out that feels into you or something or just just a different franchise see what happens because yeah you know People, people get tired of shit. I mean, you know. Oh yeah. We we don't play rock band anymore. You know. No, but they still have songs coming out. Years of War is pretty much dead. Like you know. Yeah. Um, and then the other thing you're saying about movies, um, I, I think it's just. I mean, it's pretty tried and true with Hollywood, where like if they take some franchise that has a hardcore base, they still want to make the film that has like an interest for casual viewers. So you always get like a whole bunch of exposition dumping. Yeah. And like, uh, or sometimes even the worst of it where they'll, they'll just like, well, this villain doesn't seem too edgy enough for it. We yeah, don't think yeah. people understand this because we don't have time to develop this, this villain, like the one that's in the story. So we need to just like create some story for the film to get people into it. And, and then that's just like crap. Because it's like, well, that's not how this person exists at all. Or maybe this person isn't even there. Uh, Leech. Um, yeah. So <laughs> uh, it's weird. And then on the opposite coin of that, like you have like, okay, if you have a film studio that wants to really do like how the, like stick to the source material, it's usually low budget. Uh, so you got to work with like, it looks visually shittier. Uh, so there's never like a happy medium between like, okay, we're going to give you a bunch of money and we'll let you just do it the way that you want to do it. And <clears throat> for something like, for something like the last of us, I think the closer you can get in a franchise that just has like a human story, just like a story that's relatable that you don't really have to stretch too far to create. I think the more leeway you can get and just making it how you want to make it. Like you don't have to explain so much stuff because people can yeah. already get what it's going for yeah. as opposed to like trying to make, you know, some fucking anime into a live action movie. It's just, you're going to, 
you're going to miss some point. You're going to miss the hardcore audience because they're not going to oh, get yeah. enough of what they want or you're not going to get as much in the box office because casual viewers are going to be like, nah, I don't really want to watch this. Yeah. <laughs> for whatever reason, they just don't want to watch it, which is lame. You know? it, it is. Like, for, for like this is such a big topic to talk about. I'm glad we're doing it. Um, so, like, one thing that from the uh, the video, which I'll link it, it's uh, the, the one where they were talking about Cowboy Bebop, the scene where... This is where like live action fails and anime succeeds. And I know why live action fails here for two reasons. One, for some reason, live action, like movies, Hollywood does not like doing voiceovers. Absolutely. They just want to show you everything in the stupidest way possible by having the character speak out loud, even though it's like an inner monologue. It like that. That's what's interesting about anime. You have, for example, you have light versus L playing tennis and they're, they're having a two minute conversation in their head and you don't see their mouths moving, and that's what's interesting because you're 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 in the head of the characters. Hollywood would just have them fucking speak out loud to themselves, and that kind of ruins the whole vibe with it and whatnot. And like another thing is, anime knows how to make everything important that you see on the screen. A lot of movies fucking fail at doing that, the or live action adaptions. Uh, so like the Cowboy Bebop when. Spike is fighting over the red, uh, I don't know what the hell that shit is called, the the injection stuff that gives you red eyes. When he's fighting over that stuff with the guy and the girl, the girl looks like she's pregnant. In the anime, she gets, you know, shot across the stomach and you're like, oh shit, she's pregnant. No, there's just a bunch of vials that she's carrying under her shirt and it drops out. And you as the viewer are like, oh, okay, she's smuggling that. She's not actually pregnant. And But in the live action, you don't really get the same feeling because... They're constrained by budget and they tell, they don't really focus on the characters themselves for storytelling. They focus on everything else, which is not how anime is done. Because with anime, you don't plan out, okay, I'm going to have a wide shot here. You just start fucking drawing and then you put it up and you're like, okay, I know how to make this work and I can tell the story in like, you know, 30 frames or whatever and, and whatnot. Um, and they're just better at, at storytelling when it comes to uh, uh, doing a story for anime. And e even 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 a simple thing such as slow motion. Hollywood always uses slow motion for dodging, like because of the Matrix. Anime uses slow motion for impact. You see Spike's fist coming for the drug the drug guy's face. What happens with the slow motion? Force of imp the p point of impact. You see his face get all like that and shit. Hollywood would just only use it for the guy dodging and that's terrible storytelling because it's superbly overused like what you know we saw it in the matrix we've seen it in spider-man like we need to it needs to be a better uh vehicle for storytelling like anime does it but um going back to the whole with the money thing yeah like disney they don't they have star wars but that's not their main vehicle for money they have marvel and they going through all of that because they have multiple ways to make money. Naughty Dog doesn't. They have one vehicle now that they care about. Ubisoft, one. EA, EA still banks a lot on Star Wars, unfortunately, because they'd rather trust the big names that everyone likes. And I think, and and even 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 Rockstar, they have three. They have two games that are popular: Grand Theft Auto and Red Dead Redemption. And then. They tried a brand new thing, L.A. Noir. It was fantastic, but that's the only game they have. 
I want another L.A. Noir. I want another detective simulator game, but they're not, we're not going to get that for some fucking reason because they're spending a decade and a half working on Grand Theft Auto 6 where they could be making uh, you know money everywhere else. Even though Red Dead Redemption 2 was a fantastic game. It's way better than its predecessor, um, in my opinion, but that's a whole other argument. But yeah, it's just... It's disappointing to see, like, this is how you make a successful story, whether it be a game or a movie or some form of media. And these big but these big budget companies, they don't care. They're, they want to do it their way and try to milk the non-fans and create a whole new thing and piss off the, the old fans. That's just, that's just what they're good at for some reason. They even do that with some of the Marvel movies. They change, the, like Ms. Marvel. She didn't have those powers in the comics. But they didn't want someone with the same powers as Captain Marvel, even though that's the whole point of her being Ms. Marvel in the comics. They wanted to, her to be like fucking Green Lantern and create apparitions with her hands and shit, which I didn't watch that show. I just saw the trailer and I'm like, this is terrible. But anyway, do you have any uh, thoughts on that, Uni? <laughs> Sorry, no, I talked too much. <laughs> no, you I was going to say, like the one thing to animate the series, they take like what about 22 episodes and when it's live action it's always like they they always compress so much so i feel more the big problem as well is rushing everything yeah rushing everything to just make it fit in eight episodes versus animation where you have full creativity and you could put as much as 22 episodes just to get their whole point across oh yeah and so like, rushing that's trying to compress so much together and just putting it out there. But mm-hmm. I don't think they, they don't take the time at all just to give it it's what do you say, give it it's necessary. What is it? Like they don't give it enough time for it to be effective as yeah. it would. No, I, I, I totally agree with that. And it's that's because of money. Because for example, another thing they brought up in the video, which again I'll link in the description, um it Time constraints, money, and actors. Actors cost money. Anime actors don't cost money because they're not people. They're drawn. You don't pay Goku 5 million zenny an episode. You just draw him, and that's it. With people, you have a set amount of time, and then they're they're done for the day because they don't want to fucking be there because you paid them, and they're out. Or you call them back for reshoots and shit and whatever. And that is the problem. That's the problem with adapting something into a movie because movies are super time restricting and you have to Mm -hmm. cut out so much. That's why TV shows are so much better for this vehicle of, uh, of being a vehicle for a type of adaption like Cowboy Bebop. It was a good, I would give Cowboy Bebop a five out of 10 visually. It was stunning story Mm -hmm. was terrible. The actors themselves. I didn't really have a problem with jet. He was good. Spike was good. Faye was fine. Everyone else, not really. Ed was fine, even though people were turned off by how he was introduced. But wannabe Javier Bardem when there was annoying is fucking vicious. But um, other than that, like it, it, TV, TV is just the best way to do it. And even so, they just need to stop cutting out stuff. But um, segueing off of this, I don't know if you guys, I know Boss, you're a fan of avatar the last of airbender are you uh uni yeah did you guys know that oh they released an image of well i don't know okay so the first movie comes out 
I think October 2025. It'll be about Aang, Katara, Sokka, and Toph as adults. Right at you know, years after the the original series ended, and so I don't know what's going on. I just know that's like the the, the plot line originally, and then they released a poster of the second movie, which will be all about Zuko, which comes out a year that comes out October 16, twenty twenty six, I believe. So so that should be pretty interesting because I totally forgot. I'm like, wait, he's a he's a central character too, and then um, but I'm excited for those because. For two reasons. One, they're going to be theatrical releases, which you don't really see often. And now you're seeing where well, you're seeing more often now with animation, uh, cartoons and anime, um, especially with Dragon Ball and Demon Slayer. And then um, the original creators are working on it because, you know, they left the fucking Netflix show, which I'm pretty sure that's going to bomb. Um, and they're now working on um, these new three canon movies. So I'm totally excited for that. I like the idea that, uh, okay, if they're sending it in the future, they're sending it in a point where there hasn't been any material on it already, so they get to just have original material. So yeah. <laughs> for one, you can't say, oh, well, you fucked up because it doesn't have, like, no, this is the material. Mm-hmm. <laughs> There's nothing to base it on. So that's cool. Uh, Zuko, if it's growing up with him and Azula and his mom and dad, that would be an interesting story because they still didn't really say a lot. I know they did, like, some... <laughs> They had like a manga chapter or something about his mother, mm-hmm. or like a side thing about how she saw him. He's he saw her in jail or something. Mm. But um, yeah, that that family dynamic still has a lot to open up, especially with just like you know uh, what was his name, Mazulan, the Fire Lord, and um, his dad. Yeah, 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 I think so. I don't no. remember. That's that's a lot for a full movie. But yeah, seeing them as seeing them as like. Adults would be interesting. Yeah. Because when I was watching, like for me, like when I watched, you know, Korra, I was like, what the fuck happened in between all this? Like Aang is dead. Mm -hmm. I'm like, oh, we have these brand new characters. All of them are new characters except, you know, Katara who's there and then, you know, Toph later on. It's like, oh, hey, these guys are here, but they're old as shit. Like where's the, that's a huge time gap. And I wanted to, I, I would love to know what happened in between, you know, the first and second stories and whatever that would be pretty cool um fuck i was i need to try to remember something were you gonna say something uni no oh no i was agreeing with you because like we 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 saw when a um Aang was becoming the airbender but i'm sorry not the emperor sorry that's i got right. confused that's okay <laughs> <laughs> we saw Aang as he was becoming um what was it the Avatar. That was that was, that was the worst. Thing. We saw him as he was becoming the Avatar, but we didn't see him when he was the Avatar yeah. during that time. We got yeah. flashbacks from Korra, but not necessarily like this was what's going on. This is how the world was changing because so much changed in Korra. Yeah, that I was so like left confused, but it was still good. It was still good, oh, but yeah. it was still like so much time has passed mm-hmm. that it seems like centuries passed. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree with that. And um, I was going to now now I remember with the whole uh, what you were saying, boss, about what's great that there's no original story for these new stories, giving the freedom for the creators to do whatever they want. That's like George R. R. Martin still being alive to tell people how to change his universe with like House of Dragon, for example, because 
for, like Rings of Power makes changes, but the creator's dead, and his son doesn't want to have anything to do with it. Christopher Tolkien, he or no, he's dead too. The the grandson doesn't have any doesn't want to have anything to do with these uh, these adaptions, and he's not going to make changes to the universe because that's you know that's. That's J.R. Tolkien's universe. But George R. R. Martin, he's still alive. He can, mid-TV show, tell the House of Dragon people, eh, actually, this is lore correct. Eh, this is this, is this and whatever. And that's, that's always cool when you still have the creator around to change a completely original story to make, you know, any, anything happen in his vision. Because it is his story because he's still existing and he's a big part of it. So I'm glad to see that from the avatar creators. I am disappointed that they had to leave Netflix. And the reason behind that was, uh, because Netflix didn't want to give him more money for more visual effects, which in that case is stupid because avatar is all about, well, a lot of it is about the visual effects because there's so much, there's so many particles flying around fire, uh, water, air, well, air particles are just invisible or white lines and, you know, earth, particles and shit and netflix wants to be a cheap fuck and and not give them any more money for that so that that they left and as well as other creative differences so i'm hoping the i i am i'm hoping these will be an amazing experience because as much as i loved cora i didn't love it as much as the last airbender cora was great for like a couple seasons in my opinion that whole spirit crap was annoying um I love the first season because it made because Steve Bloom was the villain, of course, and you know Bloodbenders. I've always wanted to see more story on Bloodbenders. Um, that whole I like to see. Well, okay, was do you guys remember um, the Prisoners? Was that a part of uh, was that a part of the Spirit Arc thing where like uh, you know Cora had to fight the that Airbender guy who was a prisoner? You remember? Mm-mm. Um, fuck. Okay, this is a Google thing. Hold on. <laughs> um, Legend of Korra villains. I think his name starts with like a a Z. Zahir. Yeah. Okay. Um, I thought that was a cool. That was a cool um story arc with the escape prisoners and different uh benders because he was uh I think he yeah he was an airbender. And then um, finishing off with Kuvira and whatever, I thought that was also interesting to see metal bending become super big in whatever after, you know, Toph discovered it. As well as seeing more lava bending, because that wasn't... I, I like seeing the sub-genres. That's a weird way to put it. The subcategories of bending. That's always interesting. Like lightning bending, lava bending, fucking even sand and metal and shit. That, that's always cool and whatnot. Um, Wait, lava, lava bending will be with what? Lava bending is part of earth Because, um, yeah, that's, um, what's his name? Bolin or whatever. He discovered he was a lava bender when he was trying to metal bend and he accidentally, he bended the, the earth under him and then like lava came out and he's like, oh crap, I'm actually a lava bender. Okay. That was, that was pretty cool. I think they were, yeah, they were doing it because Korra was trying to learn metal bending to stop Kuvira, and I think it was Kuvira or somebody just learned metal bending in general, and she couldn't really get around to it. And Bolin gave it a shot, and he ended up being a lava bender. So that was pretty cool. He's like, "Oh man!" To me, I think that's cooler. It's fucking lava. Metal's great, but it's lava. 
It's hot. Um, let's see what else. So yeah, I'm I'm excited for that. Um, some other news for geeky stuff. Uh, if you guys know the composer John Williams, who does you know Star Wars and um, Indiana Jones and a whole bunch of other shit, he was supposed to retire last year. He actually unretired as of I think it was this week because like Sp- Steven Spielberg was congratulating him on, uh, you know, and thank you for doing music for Indiana Jones five. John Williams is like 90 years old for crying out loud. And which, you know, I thought he was going to enjoy his last 10 years, but Steven was like, I can't really, you know, it's hard to continue making movies without this guy. I really want to thank John. John comes up and he's like, well, if you feel that way. I guess I can give you another 10 years. So I'll get back to making music. I'm just like, what the fuck? <laughs> That's, that's not usually what someone does at 90 years old is continue doing their craft. So hats off to him. He's a great composer. <laughs> that's ambitious. Betty White was acting like. Oh, yeah, 100. that's right. <laughs> almost 100. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, almost. What were you going to say, Uni? All right, cut you yeah, off. People love what they do. They just kind of keep pursuing it, honestly. Yeah. It's I'm like. Oh, sorry. Go. That's it. <laughs> oh. <laughs> um, it's like Nicolas Cage. Nicolas Cage wants to work forever just making movies. He doesn't care if they're successful. He doesn't care if they're bad. He just wants to keep making movies because that's what he does. He's like, this is my career. I'm going to do it until I'm dead, which, you know, in my opinion, that's cool. Some some great actors retire and you never get to see another amazing movie from them. Like, you know, can you can you hear that? No, you can't hear it. Okay, cool. Good microphone. Um, fucking dogs are barking. Like Sean Connery retired, you know, then he passed. But I, I really want to see more movies from him, or whatever. Um, Jack, Jack Nicholson, great, uh, great actor. Also, stopped doing movies too early and whatever, in my opinion. So, I don't know. I, I, I think it's amazing when actors just keep going, even though when they're old, they just. It depends on if it's a successful movie or not, because I've seen like Robert De Niro in like some B movie trailer, and I couldn't believe he was in like a shitty movie. But he's like Nicolas Cage at that point, where he just wants to make money and keep working, which is good for them. Good for them. <laughs> Nicolas Cage needs to make two, one of two things need to happen. He needs to either make two more National Treasure films. Yes. <laughs> Or they need to put him in one of the Furious films as his character. (laughs) (laughs) That would be awesome. What the fuck? Did you see? uh, Did you see his not his newest movie, his previous movie, the one that got him out of debt? (laughs) No. The massive weight of unbearable talent. Hold on. Oh my god! Heard about it. Hold on. Give me a second. Can you stop? Fuck! I am podcasting. Go away. The film that got him out of debt. He's been in like a hundred movies. <laughs> he has a fast and loose lifestyle, I guess. Hold on, but he lets go so fast. Yeah. He, he must be really trying to be Ghost Rider in real life and then just. Oh, <laughs> so he could just leave his own podcast? This is my yeah. This is this top tier. I think of a I think of uh what is it, face off with Nicolas Cage? 
Yeah. Great, great movie. John Woo movie. You know, it's a John Woo movie because there's like doves. He's that's like every he always does that. Like I'm thinking, what's his name? Michael Bay. He has explosions. Exactly. Yeah. It's a Michael Bay film. If it has explosions, it might be in Miami. Uh, <laughs> might be random hallway. It just happened. Propane tank. Exactly. Yeah. Anyway, sorry about that. What are we talking about? Um, myself. It's outside. Yeah. Damn, this hurts. Um, uh, we were talking about director tropes for a second. Uh, oh, like what? They had explosions, and uh, I was like John Woo and Dubs. Yeah, John Woo is like. He's actually he would be the best for like if you were to do live action anime because he knows how to do that type of action. Like for example. Uh, in the video, they were showing they were showing like a, a good shoot 'em up scene in like a cafe or whatever, and then they segue into the Matrix. The Matrix, even though it's not an anime, it does great with action that makes it look anime. For example, the most common thing: bullet holes and destruction. When you're in like a big shootout, shit is supposed to be destroyed around you. A lot of movies they don't really do that. They just They'll fire a gun and you won't see a bullet hole. It'll just it'll just randomly go off and you'll assume it hits something, which it doesn't make for good visual storytelling because you don't see anything actually breaking. Um, or if you do, it's like, okay, they shoot a bullet and then like a column gets destroyed, but you don't see any bullet holes. You don't see any of the cracks, nothing. And John Woo is good at doing that. When you do a shoot em up, everything starts exploding and jumping up in, in the cafe. Shit starts breaking. Matrix, the hallway scene all the concrete just starts coming apart and that's that's fantastic for um for movie tropes and and shit um and then of course you have quentin tarantino with feet and all of his fucking movies (laughs) as a director trope um what else were we uh there are in terms of uh, i would like to see john woo do anything uh like if there is ever a live action, I don't know if there is, but I'm pretty sure there isn't. But if there is like a live action samurai champloo, or because um, I think I think a lot of that, I think that's one of that's that's one of the harder animes to recreate the fighting sequences. Yeah, just because there's intensity in them, and then there's also like so for instance like with Mugen, there's intensity, but it's also like kind of like loosey goosey, kind of like crazy very nonchalant humor to it and then like within there's like it's just it's just by the numbers yeah very like cut 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 slice 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 ding 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 Mm -hmm. and so like you have to want to be able to portray accurately the difference in the fighting styles not just make it all look the same Mm -hmm. and then also just like the the way it's thematic, like you know, uh, fighting inside of a closed space, inside of a uh, restaurant, or fighting outside in like a field, or fighting out on a wood plank. They were like uh, when Jen was fighting that dude who smelled like sunflowers. They were fighting like on the side of a uh, river or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think he'd be good at that. I think also the guy, like, because um, one very good John Woo scene 
is uh, you remember Hard Boiled? Yes, I love that movie. So good. Eleven minute shot of uh, Zhao Young Fat in a hospital, shooting up a hospital mm-hmm. with a baby in his arm, yeah. like saving a baby. It just like that's one of the best action sequences I've ever seen, and they just let it breathe the entire time. Um, similar to to like uh, shorter, but uh, I think it was the Protector, the Tony Jaw movie where they, yep. he's going, Getting and the they elephant, have like yeah. full running shot of him. Uh, going into this building, it was like a restaurant. He's like going up floors and kicking people's ass and stuff like that, and throwing them over balconies and stuff. Like anybody who can just take the time to let an action shot have all of its weight, and that's going back to what Umi said, just like letting stuff breathe. Yeah, letting letting things set in, like not thinking that your audience is dumb and can't understand why people are pausing, or you know, or like having internal dialogue, even if you don't even hear the dialogue, even if there's no voiceover, it's like just understanding why somebody is assessing a situation. Yeah, uh, you you need a director like that, or um, whoever did the protector, whoever did the raid. Oh yeah, that too. Um, there was a whole there was a whole stuntman react thing with uh, Scott Adkins fantastic fantastic martial artist and actor um for those of you who don't know he's he uh, uh, the listeners and viewers that don't know he's the main character in the undisputed movies uh three and four he's uh, he's the villain in undisputed two with uh, michael j white as the protagonist and he's also um he's also the main villain in Ip man four as the final confrontation villain that Ip man has to fight in his life even though that's not canon, he specializes in kickboxing and Muay Thai, and he's really good at doing a sidekick. Like, he'll kick your ass, like, 30 feet across the room. That's how good he is. But they did a video with him, and how he was explaining how, like, that old style of martial arts and action scenes, it is, it is a dying art, unfortunately. Like, everything is always shaky cam. Everything is like, okay, everything's got to be fast and have terrible choreography instead of just letting everything play out. You know, you train, you master... You master the hits and everything, and you just let the scene play out like a real fight because you you know you don't have quick cuts and shit when you're actually fighting. You have to think on your feet. You gotta you know predict where your opponent is going, and you can do that through great choreography and practical effects. Which you know I applaud, for example, Christopher Nolan for doing that and always being practical. I mean, he emulated he recently emulated a nuclear bomb explosion on set like twenty times for the movie Oppenheimer which I can't wait to see that. But with action scenes playing out and shit, like Ip Man's a really good one. Cause I know when he went up against Mike Tyson in the third Ip Man movie, he had to really be careful because Mike Tyson, you know, taps you, you're going to go fly and hit the wall. That's how strong he is. Um, and so I know Donnie Yen, he would, he would be bruised by the end of the day after, you know, choreographing with Mike Tyson and they don't really, they don't really plan it out either. Like in Amer- over here in America, we're going to train, 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 create this choreographed sequence. Asia, you got about 30 minutes. They, they come up with shit on the fly as they're filming and whatever. They don't have a whole day to dedicate to creating like a kata sequence and whatever. Um, and that's kind of what also makes their film stuff great because a lot of those happy accidents get make it into the movie and it makes it look believable because that shit that would, you know, really happen if you're fighting and you're going to and you're losing balance like on a platform and that's not planned. You're actually losing balance. It looks believable. That's something you'd leave in the movie. So I, I yeah, I, I totally agree with you guys. I wish 
there are more films that had uh, breathable scenes, as you want to call them, because it, it makes it feel more alive. Especially that ten minute fight in the raid two in the kitchen, fantastic choreography. Both of them just wouldn't die, and they got stabbed like fifty times with knives yeah. and shit, and they just kept going. Like what the fuck? Oh, I need to rewatch that's that. That's a again. good. That's a good testament to that style of fighting too, because that that. Uh, I forget what it's called. I'm not going to try and butcher it, but like, that's, yes, it's like literally practical fighting. It's kind of like Krav Maga where it's like, you just have to use as much as you can of your body to inflict damage to the other person's body. So you're going for like the points that like, you're going for like the throat and you're going yeah. for like kneecaps and stuff like that. You're just trying to like, you're ripping off flesh. Like you're oh, doing yeah. whatever. Um, I was going to add on to that. And like for Krav Maga, Salat, even even Muay Thai, like the explosive striking styles are perfect for fight scenes because yes, they are very practical. Even 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 comedically, Jackie Chan in his style, he's using his entire environment to fight people. Like, you know, the rush hour scenes, you know, those were perfect. You know, he's just he's in the massage parlor, you know, he's fighting guys, he gets his foot stuck in like a trash can, he flips it back, hits a guy, smacks the guy in the front with a trash can because it inflicts more damage than a fist. That is practical. That is what you should do in real life. And you don't have to worry about this honor system and shit that other 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 styles do. So for me, yeah. Krav Maga, Salat, it would be cool to see more fight scenes that are built around practicality. Cause you watch some fight scenes and you're like, this, this wouldn't have like even Rocky, like the Rocky movies, totally bullshit. All of it is bullshit. I, I had like this, I think it was the same stunt guy. Yeah. Uh, Scott, he was commenting on the Rocky movies, Rocky movies. And he was like, yeah, y- you wouldn't do three jabs in a row because they're just going to, you just never do three jabs in a row or three crosses or whatever. Like you, you got to come up with something else um, to make it look, more believable, but they were all about flash and unreal, unrealistic, uh, expectations when creating the rocket movies, but those were great in and of itself. It's just not a realistic boxing, um, choreography in a lot of people's opinion. So yeah. Um, let's see. Yeah. Fighting, fighting. I need to watch the protector was such a great, movie for Tony Jaa to bounce off. I'd love to see him in more movies. I know he did like a movie with, he did, he did a movie with like two other martial artists that I thought was pretty interesting. I don't know if you ever heard of it. Um, it's, uh, I think it was called, oh yeah, it was triple threat. Did you guys ever hear of that one? That one had, that one had the guy eco UACE or whatever from the raid. He was a character Tony Jaw was a character. Michael J. White was a character. And Scott Adkins was a character. So you have, you know, boxing, practical fighting, Michael J. White, kickboxing, Scott Adkins, Muay Thai, Tony Jaw, Iko Uwais, Silat, and then you had one other guy with, like, Taekwondo. That was fantastic. The movie was terrible, but the fight scenes were awesome because you have, like, one of each fighting style and shit. I need to... Yeah, that that that's one you should guys check out. That came out in 2019, I believe. Yeah, I've checked that out. Yeah, it's good. Um, what are your guys's? Well, speaking of fighting scenes and shit, what are your guys's favorite? Actually, wait. Before I ask that, I was going to say, uh, I will always go back to this for great live action because they actually reference this in in one of the uh, the corridor series, uh, Kenshin movies. I haven't finished them. 
I need to. I'm lazy about it. But the live-action Roni Kenshin movies are perfect because they know exact... Whoever the director is, he knew exactly how to film the sword combat to make it feel powerful like anime. But it's not so over the top that it's ridiculous in the sense of, like, they didn't have um, Kenshin shouting out his abilities... Like he does in the anime. He, they don't have him like drag a sword across the ground and he creates like a fucking fissure in in the earth and rocks fly up everywhere. No, they just had a different style of fighting to portray the anime's story in the fight scene. Real life with fighting, you take a sword, you usually hack it sideways, hack it up and down. In this Kenshin series, a lot of it is super, super close. Like a lot of it is like, I'm going to slice here drag the sword across here to block or something. Everything is nice and tight. And they also rely heavily on the environment and moving from scene to scene and using cameras like overhead and going through the forest as he's fighting. Um, I don't remember the name of the first, the first villain in the first movie with the, uh, the gene, is it called the gene po? The, the eye technique where he looks at the, the sword and unlocks his inner power. That whole fight scene was just fantastic. Um, and whatnot. It wasn't even over the top. It was just very well done. And Asia's really good at doing fight scenes correctly, which America could take a, a lesson from. But I was going to ask you guys, what do you, what would you say is your favorite martial art movie series? Like if you were to pick one. Movie series? Oh, that's tough. Uh, <laughs> Omi, go ahead while I think about that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uni? Sure. Oh. The only guy, the only guy that pops into mind, uh, is it? Is this just watching Jackie Chan? But no, uh, what is it? Is it IP Man? Yeah, Ip Man. Yeah, sorry, Ip Man. Yeah. Did you and... see all of them? No, I didn't. I thought I did, but I didn't. I missed like one. Uh... No, I'm not really sure right now, but it will be just between those two, just in general, watching Jackie Chan, just like you were saying, like I just watching him, him making his own stunts and just using his environment, just being himself, just using his, his actual skills to film. Mm -hmm. And then for sure, IP man. Yeah. And then anybody else? Um, I was, sure. was going to agree with you. Like the, the immense fantastic donnie Yen is so great even though that's not his main martial art he mainly does um mma he prefers that because it's more practical than wing chun but it, it, okay so there are technically there are five movies in the mn universe you have mn one two three four um and then you have master z the le uh, um i think it's yeah i think it's master z or the legend of z one of those where it talks about it goes more in depth on one of the antagonists from Ip Man 3 which Ip Man 3 has Mike Tyson there's another guy in there who was challenging Ip Man to being a grandmaster of Wing Chun and he's like well my style of Wing Chun is better than your style I'm going to challenge you and if I if I win I'm the master you have to quit it's that whole you know uh ancient um fighting honor code or whatever where if you lose you pack your bags you get the fuck out of here forever and the kid they go they made an entire movie based on his character and why he 
he went this path. So I thought that was a, that was a pretty cool thing. Cause you don't usually see that with these movies. You just see the main character and then they go into like a, a sequel. So you should definitely check that out. Cause they, with those movies, they really brought Wing Chun to the surface and how, how cool it was. And it was even cool to see a little bit of, you know, young Bruce Lee in there. Um, even though he kind of got his ass kicked in one scene. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was like, what the, I thought he was indestructible. I'm like, okay, I guess he didn't win all his fights unscathed or whatever. He was still learning cause he was a cocky little shit. Um, but it, I, I still thought that was incredible. I, I personally like out of those, you can't beat the first, the first Ip Man scene where you have him versus 10, like 10th belt, uh, 10, 10 degree black belt karate masters. And then you have the grandmaster of Wing Chun in the room and you just have Ip Man shit on all 10 of the guys in front of the general of the Japanese army, which is, that was an incredible scene. The, the final scene for Ip Man 2 where he's fighting a boxer. That's incredible because usually if, if a boxer goes up against a Wing Chun artist, chances are the Wing Chun artist is going to die because a fist will hurt you more like the closed fist from boxing hurts more than a Wing Chun punch because Wing Chun's all about speed and deflection and, you know, doing everything really quickly versus boxing hit as hard as you can, as fast as you can, just with like, you know, a cross is wham, you lay someone out instantly. You don't really have that with, with Wing Chun. And then, you know, you get further into that with Mike Tyson in the third one. And then, um, the kickboxing with, with Scott Adkins in the fourth movie is just fantastic because Scott Adkins is just fucking cool. Like if you, if you need to watch the, um, I highly suggest watching the undisputed movies, undisputed two, three, and four. You don't really need to watch the first one. That's like Wesley Snipes and it's not as good. Um, but like <laughs> Wesley Snipes is irrelevant anymore. <laughs> um, but it's a movie out of bankruptcy. Uh, <laughs> He does for real. It would have been cool to see him as like Blade, but they already replaced him for that shit with some guy. So that'll be interesting to see. Huh? He's too old. Yeah, he is. That's that is that is another issue with a lot of these fucking actors and people wanting them to stay their character. They're they're too fucking old already, unfortunately. And the comic book characters they they don't age because they're just drawings and shit. But create some alternate world where like if they did a shit where it's like uh far from home where it's like oh well alternate blade but who wants to fucking see alternate blade so, nobody yeah yeah no. yeah i would love to see a well i mean it would be cool to just see him for like a second and like he'll probably may it would be nice to see him like in secret wars if uh if you know that big movie has blade in it and then you know alt because that's a that's the multiverse battle that is the multiverse battle with like 70 fucking cameos and shit in there. Like the, you know, the hundred or however much are into the across the spider verse series, which should be interesting. I remember like, I know a lot of people watch that and they're like, I had a seizure watching the trailer (laughs) because there's so many fucking colors, but I think it's, I think it's fucking cool. But going back to the fighting movies, did you, did you figure out one yet boss or no? Or series? Yeah. So I don't think I really have like a, particular series that i like the best um because fighting kind of blends with action to me like uh john wick isn't really like a martial arts series more of an action series still counts um i like i like particular uh, like there's particular fighting films that i like like of course uh fist of fury oh yeah Uh, that's a classic 
the game of death, the unfinished version. Uh, you know, I mean, of course you got to nod Bruce Lee if we're talking about fighting. Oh, yeah. uh, Enter the dragon. Yeah. I liked... Uh, uh, Bloodsport. Like, so there, there's, there's films, again, that aren't necessarily... Like Old Boy, I liked all the fighting in that. Just like practical. I haven't uh, seen that. Uh, he literally, you know, he's beating up guys from watching karate or martial arts movies for like the long time that he'd been stayed uh, as a prisoner. So he's like, can can these skills work? Like all I've done is just watch this stuff. Will That's it work? Crazy. Whacking people with hammers and shit. Oh, well, I guess it does. Oh, yeah. That's nuts. Um, there's this really good. There's there's a couple movies that. Are martial arts films that aren't super great but have great scenes like um we were in terms of boxing like i think the best boxing scene i've seen uh was there's this jackie chan film called gorgeous mm-hmm. and he's uh he's fighting up against this guy who's uh like this kind of like really good boxer like this uh kind of he's a tall white dude he's uh kind of like uh like a rough kind of guy you know but he's slick and he looks nice and uh they have like this whole boxing sequence inside of a warehouse and it's just really like like it's the closest you're gonna see to like an actual boxing match happen in a film because mm-hmm. they like they pause they faint um of course jackie uses like a couple of things in his surroundings but like it's it looks like boxing like they're tapping gloves you know, oh, that's like, cool. yeah. Um, so, yeah. I mean, uh, if you want to default and cop out, maybe John Wick. But, um, I mean, John Wick is perfect in in my opinion. Like they just they do so well with all the gun choreography and how 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 um how real people would act in a tactical situation with you know his kind of training because they had I saw the corridor video where they had you know actual people who are i think it's like ex-military or something or security or whatever they knew exactly what they were doing and they were complimenting john wick on how all the fight scenes were and how this is exactly how you should act when you have a gun and you're in the middle of a firefight versus most of hollywood where you just stand there and you just spray and pray and hope to fucking hit something no with john wick you have to be super tactile in where you're moving where your gun position is and how to use your bullets effectively without, you know, wasting shit or whatever. So yeah. That's a and, good he, choice. and he, he reloads and he takes guns off other people. Yeah. Like, he doesn't have infinite ammunition. No <laughs> God mode. He gets shot. Oh yeah. He, yeah. He gets shot. He gets stabbed and he'll fucking kick your ass either way. Um, for me, I would have to go undisputed mainly because, I forgot. I, I think it was my cousin Joey. Yeah, cousin Joey turned me on to it, and he's like, "You got to watch this Undisputed." I watched the second one. I'm like, "Okay, boxing versus uh, MMA fighter," and then the third one is all about the MMA fighter Scott Adkins. That's like at his physical biggest because he's fucking huge in that movie, and he he plays this Russian prisoner guy who they fight. They fight martial arts tournaments for entertainment, for freedom, and whatever. And the third one is interesting because you see him go up against a capoeira fighter. You see him go up against a taekwondo fighter. 
against boxer or whatever and he's his line is he's the most complete fighter in the world and you see how he has to adjust his style for handling different opponents which is great about being an MMA fighter because it's it's literally a mixture of martial arts and he's like okay how do I take out the capoeira guy his legs because he's dancing around and shit I have to fucking kick him in the leg and he's going to become immobile how do I stop the boxer okay I got to hit him in the body or you know something like that or whatever and I find that quite cool and then First, I guess for story-wise, for me, Jet Li's Fearless will always hold a special place in my heart because that's Jet Li's final epic um, martial arts movie. Uh, everything else is just like, okay, he's a villain or he's a good... Or, yeah, he's like a villain or he's like a side character and he just, just fights like for the Expendables or whatever. It's not like focused on him. And Jet Li Fearless, it's about a, a, a Chinese guy who's the master of Wushu and... He's trying to keep defend the honor from China being taken away from Westerners because they're like, you know what, uh, your shit doesn't hold up against boxing. And then, you know, it's all, it's that constant tale of the West taking over Asia and he, he leaves China and he comes back and he sees it's been assimilated. And then he does like a final tournament and he fights all these other people, even though they poison him. He um, he manages to succeed to some degree and he fights like this samurai and the samurai's like you know what i give up because he truly beat me in this fight you know and i like seeing that that level of um, accuracy when it comes to honor because you could fight as hard as you want but if you know you're truly beaten you should just fucking admit it and not be an asshole and keep driving the fight into the ground thinking you're the winner when in reality you you lost because the other fighter is great even if they died in the process you, which is what happened in the movie. The guy's like, Jet Li's the winner. I forfeit because I can't keep up with him or whatever, even though I can clearly see one of you fuckers poisoned him um, with tea or whatever. So, you know, fighting movies are great. I would love, I wish they brought back, I wish they had more, but that's like Asian specialty because it doesn't really fly over here. Over here in America, we have reboots fucking superhero movies and that's it that's all we fucking have and everything else that's interesting is like amazon well is like netflix or whatever like knives out or whatever which the the glass onion movie was really good i don't know if you guys saw glass onion or even the previous uh knives out mm-hmm. film did you no, I don't think so. you should check it out it's pretty good i know i saw knives out i saw that the glass onion movie is two and a half hours uh, <laughs> <laughs> wait how yeah, long was the other one <laughs> invest in that uh like two okay yeah it's uh it's interesting it's it's good it's every bit as entertaining as the first one um in my opinion and i like seeing that daniel craig has another acting outlet instead of him being just james bond like he, he looks like he's having fun as a you know excited detective in these movies as a as opposed to being this ripped British secret agent guy who's saving the world and shit. So the Knives Out movies are pretty good. I think they're having a new James Bond, right? Mm-hmm. I think so. Yeah, well, well, they have to um, because, I mean, the, well, I don't know how they're going to do it because have you guys seen No Time to Die? Yeah. I haven't seen any of the Daniel Craig James Bond films. Oh, Even them, Quantum of Solace, which them, is apparently very good. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah, you don't need to see Quantum of Solace. Like, if you watch them, Casino, well, technically you do for a bit of lore, like, 
a little connection that'll connect you to the rest of the movies. But like Casino Royale is like the best. And then under that, you have Skyfall, Spectre, and then No Time to Die. And then Quantum's all the way at the bottom. But Okay, uh, unless we're probably talking about that one then. Yeah, which Casino one? Royale. The, the Casino Royale. Oh, the, the game. yeah. I haven't seen any of them. So whichever one is the really good one. That's the good that. one because it's it's apparently it's I haven't read the book, but it's like a great, the best adaption of that story because the original Casino Royale was shit according to the fans. And I think it was a parody movie or something, wasn't it? I, I don't remember. It was from the sixties. I don't yeah. yeah. But I, I rewatched it recently and I thought it was fantastic. Uh, I was like, this is a great fucking spy movie. It does everything perfectly. There's no like plot holes or anything that I could see. Um wait, Uni, you said you saw No Time to Die or no? No, I had confused. Okay, never mind. I can't I can't speak on it then as to why <laughs> As to what needs to change with the James Bond thing, in case you you do see it or whatever. Um, But I think it'll be a while before they do that because they did something different with No Time to Die that I'm not going to spoil, even though it's been out for a while. Um, So I hope they they come up with something cool. It just, yeah, they they need to keep the... um, the momentum going and what, what was interesting about the Daniel Craig series was that's the first time a story has been connected. Cause usually it's just like, Hey bond, we're going to go on a mission to save the world sort of thing. But you know, Casino Royale was linked. All these movies were linked together in one integral story. That's never, that hasn't been done before in the bond universe. Everything is just, Oh, it's different actor playing bond, but it's still bond. And the store golden eye is completely separate from like tomorrow never dies or whatever. They have like yeah, except for like the 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 characters and shit. Um, yeah, what else was I going to mention? Um, apparent. Did you guys see the Batman last year? The Robert Pattinson one? No, I yeah. haven't seen it. Yeah, you, you got to watch it, boss. It's re- okay. For, the only problem is it's dark. Like you need like a flashlight if you're watching it because they just the the whole movie is so fucking dark. I get it's it Batman, but like you can't DC. see shit. It's right. D- yeah, it's DC. But that's Batman. He's he's the Edge Lord. He is the Edge Lord. He's all about being broody. Uh, I highly recommend seeing it. It's a fantastic movie. Um, it's I, in case you don't know about it, it's basically the depiction of the story of Batman Year Two, where it's the second year of him being Batman, and he's still learning the ropes of being a detective being a rich guy playing, you know, a vigilante and whatever. So he's not the badass Batman that we're all used to yet. He's still working on it. And I say they do a pretty good job of that whole movie. And I, I bring this up because Matt Reeves, the director, he says that uh, Colin Farrell's Penguin, he has his spinoff TV show, The Penguin Series. That's going to connect directly into the, the Batman sequel movie. So... If you watch, if you're into the first movie, you're going to have to watch the TV show to learn about what happens next for the next movie. So I find that pretty cool when, when that, I I like how they, they take movie stories and they link them through television to link to another movie, i.e. Marvel, because Marvel Cinematic Universe now encompasses all their new TV shows with their movies, which I find cool despite a lot of it being overwhelming and unnecessary. Um, but yeah, I like seeing that in other outlets. And I think Matt Reeves is actually trying to 
make James Gunn officially say his Batman is some type of canon. Like, yes, this is a real universe in the James Gunn universe. It's not just a Matt Reeves story because I know Matt Reeves is Batman. That's not going to be a part of James Gunn's DCEU, but I think he's trying to get him to agree to a point where he's like, this could be a multiverse story at some point where you could see Rob, uh, Robert Pattinson come as Batman in like the multiverse uh, arc whenever the hell that happens because DC has their own version of the multiverse arc. Um, I think they make a crisis series. I would want to see it, but at yeah. the same time, they're going to destroy it. <laughs> we don't, we don't know that. We don't know that. That's, that's, that's... what did, they don't even have Henry Cavill as Superman anymore. They don't have Ben it's, Affleck is going to be, old. and it's funny because that movie was made like three years ago and it's coming out now. <laughs> So it's going to be like, Ben Affleck is Batman again? What the fuck? So okay. I'm surprised. No. Yeah, they got rid of them, and they're keeping Ezra Miller, a criminal who has beaten women, groomed children, and done other domestic violence. They're keeping him. For whatever reason, Warner Brothers wants to hang on to him and push out that movie, even though they canceled fucking Batgirl, whatever that movie. Bat, yeah, they canceled that shit. And they they got rid of all these other old actors. Like why? Well, I don't know. I don't know why they need to keep him. It. I don't want to see that movie. I really don't. But I I have to because it's the end of the Snyderverse. And oh, that's what I was gonna say. Matt Reeves wants to make his universe more important than the Snyderverse. Yeah, because mm-hmm. the Snyderverse has been phased out. Unfortunately, I don't give a shit. I love the Snyderverse because I'm used to DC being edgy. I don't really care about Superman. He's not. He's never been my favorite character because he's a Boy Scout. Um, and Captain America did a better version of being a Boy Scout than Supes. But I'm interested to see where this goes. And I, I, I hate that they got rid of Henry and he's only 39 years old. But James Gunn wants to start off with a young everybody because he wants to tell the story of these superheroes creating the image that everyone is supposed to see and admire from the start, like the Batman being two years into the Batman shoes. He wants to replicate that effect with Superman, a new Batman, Aquaman, whatever, whoever's going to be in the new thing. And I know he liked the, he really liked the justice league animated series apparently. So that's, there's hope there because Darkseid was one of the big bads in the animated series um, because he was after, you know, the the anti-life equation. And so was Amazo, which I thought was a really cool villain, a by a cybernetic android that had the ability to copy other superheroes abilities at will. But then, you know, at the end, he's like, I'm just going to go find the meaning of life or whatever, like Dr. Manhattan did with Watchmen. Which kind of sucked, but I mean, he couldn't like Superman couldn't even beat him, so that that was incredible. Um, yeah, Rizzo got so strong. I can't remember if it was Lex Luthor with Darkseid or him, but I think it was with him. Where, like, Amazo got so bored, he was like, "I don't even want to be here anymore. Like, I'm so strong, I have no purpose." And I think Lex Luthor showed him like a it, purpose. It was and, uh, Doctor Fate. Doctor Fate did okay. Yeah, Doctor Fate's like, "Come with me." I'll I'll help you out with this, and then he just teleports out. Yeah, yeah. he's like I'm gone, I'm golden, I'm out of here. Yeah, I I always thought that's amazing with with certain 
uh, uh, superheroes. Because, yeah, Dr. Manhattan does that too. He's like, I'm so powerful, I don't know what to do anymore. I can literally create and destroy matter. Like, how much more powerful can you get than that? It's, it's hard. I mean, unless you control time. But... They, you know, those two guys got so powerful. Like Manhattan, he goes to live on the fucking moon, and Amazo's like, "I need to go find a purpose in existing because uh, I don't need to fight you because there's no reason to. Um, I'm bored." And yeah, it, to me that makes an interesting villain, even though it's not because it's not an overplayed trope or whatever. It's just you know it's sprinkled here and there. The the moment you're referencing is when Lex Luthor discovers the Source Wall. And he comes back out of out of uh, thin air, I believe, and gives Darkseid the anti-life equation. And they both touch it, and they both disappear from reality and become a part of the Source Wall in the Justice League animated series. Which, the Source Wall is apparently... That is the boundary between the animated series and literally real life. So if you go past that, you now exist in the real world, like here on this podcast if they were to escape <laughs> that that's that's an interesting um story device that i would have never thought to be a real thing a source wall holy shit that sounds amazing it yeah, does yeah. yes that, that was that scene that's that's awesome yeah i don't think you can ever actually go past it because they if you once you once you go to it or actually technically in the in the in the um in the cartoon, when when dark when you know they look at the anti life equation, they just became a part of it, and they're forever going to be a part of it. They're just stuck there, and uh, I don't think they're dead or alive. They're just a part of the source wall. Like once you see eternity or whatever, you you're gone. Part of- <laughs> yeah, you are a part of eternity forever. You've reached the the pinnacle of your existence, whatever it is. Which is weird because Dark Side in the car, he's not. That's just one dark side. Dark side doesn't exist in that universe ever. He's every time you see dark side, it's a projection of his actual form in his own separate universe where he's a giant right, face. Yeah. I learned that from death battle. Um, I was like, Oh shit. That then that, that explained why Thanos could never beat uh, dark side because he exists in his own fucking universe and he's equally as powerful there as he is wherever his projections are, which I find quite cool and that's incredible for a villain like he's he's just so fucking overpowered and he just loves fighting superman um that's right yeah depending on the universe he'll project as something else so like and yeah yeah so he'll look like yeah mm-hmm. um you guys remember uh that simpsons episode speaking of like uh crossing over that treehouse of horror episode where homer is in the fourth dimension and then yeah yeah <laughs> I remember that. That was funny. Fucking that Simpsons. Was funny Good shit. I I I I've, I remember bits and pieces of the Simpsons. I I haven't I I never watched it religiously like everyone else. Same with South Park. I wish I did. My parents were very anal about the TV shows growing up. So if I had Simpsons on, I had to sneak it in. South Park I couldn't watch till I fucking left high school and then I was old enough and then my my mom would actually just la- sit with me and watch the TV show and just laugh along with it which I wish she did when I was younger then I'd be able to get the references like you fuckers did in high school but I didn't get that till later I'm like oh this is what they were referencing I was so far behind <laughs> Was that the case for you Uni did you ever get into Simpsons South Park and what's your take on the DC world and stuff 
we would watch um um i know i watch dc i watch marvel because of my brother we're really into x-men oh um we're we watched simpsons because we always thought it was like a family cartoon and then realizing that it's not a family cartoon because we would also watch family guy uh all the adult swim stuff and um the simpsons what was it the simpsons oh south park south park actually you know what uh you watch as a family <laughs> not as a family but we'll watch like the kids will watch it together because it was a cartoon and oh boy our parents did not notice but our grandma did um i'm trying to remember do you remember jack jack and silent bob jay and silent, silent bob, bob. Jay and yeah silent the series bob. yeah it was like that episode yeah remember that that episode or the movie where they're babies and they meet for the first time in their first word oh yeah yeah i remember that we were watching that we were watching it and our great grandma was there and she was just like looking at us my great grandma may she rest in peace she is so religious um, oh boy <laughs> what the is this you kids are and like she was just like what is this shit what do you guys keep watching and we're just like what's wrong with grandma <laughs> <laughs> that was going on they're so accustomed to it yeah but no did you guys watch the third clerks movie i came third... out yeah it came out last year oh yeah. clerks three yeah, yeah i did see clerks three there yeah, I did see Clerks 3. Did you, Uni? That was awful. Well, what was the setting? Uh, the setting was... The plot is they're literally telling the story of how the first movie came to existence. Like how the first... Uh, like before? No, no like, how they fil- like how they actually went about filming the first movie. That is the story of this movie. And how Kevin Smith is like, Oh, hey, we're going to make this movie called Clerks. They make that the plot of this movie. It's a movie about how they made a movie. It's a it's a lot like the Jay and Silent Bob reboot, where like it just gets so meta. Oh my god! Yeah. Where, like, because like Dante has a heart attack. Oh no, who is it? Kevin? Um. Or who's the other dude? The uh, shit. Yeah, Randall. Randall has yeah. A heart attack. And so wait, like, we're spoiling. <laughs> That's the that's the beginning of the movie. That's not oh. even the spoiler. Oh, okay. The spoiler is dog shit. Oh yeah, but, uh, yeah. <laughs> Randall has a heart attack, and and so like Dante visits him, and he's like, "Oh man, you know, you almost died." And like, "What are we doing?" Another, "What are we doing with our lives?" Situation. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, "Hey, let's go make a movie about our lives," and then they start filming Clerks while they're filming Clerks Three. Oh yeah, and, yeah. So <laughs> But yeah, that movie. Yeah. People, you like it? You love it or you hate it? I thought I'm, I'm it was on. a nice ending to the trilogy. You look at it and it's like this is a bitter sweet ending, and that's about as far as I'm going to go with that description. So you can watch it, Uni, and enjoy it. Um, yeah. Uh, wait, how did we get to Jane Silent Bob? Oh, we were talking about cartoons and shit. Um, yeah. I don't know what I was going to say on that. Nope. Uh, do you guys watch Rick and Morty? Yeah. Boss? I stopped after season three. What the fuck? You need to hurry up. Man, the story gets so much better later, especially like Rick's backstory. He actually has backstory and you <laughs> feel emotional for him because, okay, he's not just a drunken, crazy, mad scientist. There's a lot more to a reason why he's an asshole. And you're like, shit. Okay, now I understand. So... 
catch up, especially season five, where they really there's an episode that they explain why he is the way he is, and it's like fuck, I didn't know that. So yeah, it gets even deeper. The what? It gets even deeper. Oh yeah, yeah, it gets even deeper. Season six goes into that. Same with Morty, um, which I know some people are tired of the fact that it's always like. Morty wants to have freedom. He wants to have freedom and shit. And Rick, Rick's just trying to be a nice grandfather sometimes. And he's like, okay, fine. You can do whatever you want, Morty. I'll just listen to you. This will be your choice. And whatever problems happen, I'm not going to fix it. And Morty's always just like, yeah, yeah. And then at the end, you know, um, Rick's like, I fucking told you so. You didn't listen to me. This is why I do this and this. Um, but, but even though they recycle that theme, I don't have a problem with it because you know, it happens like that in real, real life with people. People will constantly fuck up, and it takes them several mistakes before, you know, they learn their lesson. I'm one of those people, definitely. Um, but I bring this up because Justin Roiland got arrested. Even though, Like, I know in 2020 there were charges for domestic violence on him, which sucks for viewers that don't know. This is the creator of the series as well as the game High on Life, which I need to play. But... Uh, the charges didn't go through until this year recently. So, yeah, that really sucks. And I hope it doesn't fuck over the rest of his com- career because apparently he was being abusive to some lady he was dating in 2020, which really sucks because I want to see season seven and eight of Rick and Morty. But who knows at this point where that's going to go? Good good job. I don't know why celebrities have to fuck up their life like that. So stupid. <laughs> Well, you know, anybody with a bunch of money, what's the saying? Once you get a bunch of money, you show who you really are. <laughs> I've never heard that saying, but it makes fucking sense. It makes yeah. it makes sense. I mean, look at Ezra Miller's a perfect example of that. He's rich and famous and, you know, he's like, okay, I get to do whatever I want. I have money. I can beat people with a chair. I can groom children because I'm a celebrity. And, you know, somehow he avoided one of the, one of the court one of the court cases he had, he somehow avoided um, any charges. I don't know how he did that, but um, he's got several other ones, and Warner Brothers, I guess, is protecting him. But anyway, yeah, it's it's just sad to see people you look up to, like Justin Roiland, because he makes a great TV show um, and a game to get fucking arrested and shit. So that sucks. Um, huh? I just unplugged the wrong light. I need to charge my computer. Oh, okay. Um, another a couple other things. Oh, where's he going? Oh, he's going over there. <laughs> um, a couple other things to reel off quickly. I'm disappointed that Avatar Two is is doing well because I hated the first movie. Everyone likes the Avatar Way of Water because it's so beautiful, but in reality, it's a shitty movie because it has a terrible story, but everyone's just captured by the visuals. And to me, as, you know, even though I did some filmmaking and I took filmmaking classes and I, you know, I was in that world for such a long time, it disappoints me to see that the selling point of those movies is the CGI. Like, they, the CGI is so good, that's the only reason why these people are seeing it. Even though a better movie last year was Top Gun Maverick. It was the perfect sequel to a already fantastic original movie. They didn't need a sequel, but they made one 20-some years later. That was perfect. That's something Disney could learn from because they didn't do that 28 years later with fucking Tron Legacy. They fucked that movie up. Visually beautiful, 
but the story was bad for Tron Legacy. And Maverick was not. It was visually great, and it, the story was great, and now they're even making a another sequel. But James Cameron is going to continue pushing this, and he's taking notes from Last Airbender, I guess, because he's like, oh, this is the water tribe. There's going to be a fire tribe that's going to be the enemy. And he's 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 shooting down things, saying he's not copying Last Airbender. I'm like, bullshit. The, the <laughs> main villains in The Last Airbender is the Fire Nation. So he's getting that from somewhere. Like, fire... Like, I don't know any other universe that has fire-related anything being the main villain other than the Last Airbender series. Um, so that's... To me, I, I just... I don't, I don't... Do you guys like the Avatar movies? Have you seen the new one? I haven't seen the new one. Did you, I have not seen the new one. Did you uh-huh. care about the first one? And the only reason... Well, the second one, what caught my interest is that... Um, for the first, you know how I forgot what her main character was named, but you know how she was passing, she gave her soul to the tree, or the soul, the tree took her soul. Yeah, and I, I don't know. I haven't seen the second one, but I, I feel, oh, I feel like I can't even say anything yet. So I can't but <laughs> I'm interested. I'm interested, interested to see what what's up. What is the story? Okay. Uh, Anything. No, it's 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 understandable. I'm just um I hope you enjoy it. I, I hope you enjoy it. I don't want to shit on your parade. So um even though I do that with most people, I'm trying not to do that here. <laughs> but no, like I find I find like any artistic form to be just as great. Even if it's bad, I would like notice, but I would still like praise it for even trying. Okay. I understand. <laughs> yeah, because like the big thing that I disliked about the first Avatar movie was that it was basically Pocahontas dances with wolves retold with aliens all over again. And and people were like, wow, this is great. And I'm sitting there like, no, it's not. It's the same story. And I get people, I get Hollywood's all about regurgitating stories, but it doesn't always have to be a same story. Like example, Top Gun Maverick. It's not really a regurgitated story. It's fun. It's action-packed. It's beautiful. Batman. The uh, the Batman. It's not really a regurgitated story to the point where you're sick of it. It's a different take on Batman. And Batman has a lot of different stories that are in the comics to pull from. It's not like, okay, this is the hero's journey. This is the basic shit. And the hero's journey is told, you know from Star Wars that they picked up from, you know, one of the 13 stories that exists in because there's only 13 stories that truly exist um in the world apparently. That's the that's the movie talk there. Um but I feel like they could do a better job and not recycle shit from especially if it's too recent. Like if you want to recycle something, do it in a way that makes it super unique or whatever and then you'll draw more people to your media whatever that may be so uh that's that's my view on the avatar movies and whatnot and another quick thing to rattle off ubisoft unfortunately delays skull and bones again i know you don't game boss but did you ever play assassin's creed black flag the ship one right now yeah yeah so basically they took a team of people from that project and they moved them onto a separate project called skull and bones which basically means you're a pirate and they capitalize on the pirate ship combat 
I lost interest the minute I saw their revamped gameplay because the cool thing about being a pirate in Black Flag, you can go from ship to ship, swashbuckle, rob people, you take their ship or you destroy their ship um, and take their resources. Skull and Bones, you can't do that. You're just in your ship, you blow up another ship, you can't leave your ship, or no, you can leave your ship to go on land, but you can't fight people on land. You're just, you just dock to get resources and then you leave. So there's no swashbuckling, which sucks because that's one of the biggest parts about being a pirate is sword fighting, Mm -hmm. swinging from, swinging from ship ropes and, you know, slashing, uh, the sails and shit to make sure the enemy ship can't get away. This is just fucking battleship with docking in the 1800s or whatever. So, and they delayed it for a sixth time for whatever reason. So they're just, they're just digging themselves themselves a deeper hole at this point. It's severely disappointing to hear that from Ubisoft, but hopefully they don't fuck over Assassin's Creed Mirage. Cause that's supposed to go back to its roots of like Assassin's Creed one through four about being stealthy and 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 having good story about actually being assassins instead of let's learn about the ancient Greeks and shit and ancient Vikings and Odin that nobody fucking really cares about unless you're a history buff. Um, yeah. What is the story of Assassin's Creed now? Is it does it have anything to do with the Apple of Eden? Yeah, it still does. It still has to do with. So basically, what happened was the story shifted. Well, you know, Desmond died. In Assassin's Creed 3, and then you learn about, okay, his brain is in the Animus uh, program at Abstergo for uh, Black Flag, and they're just going to play one of his memory sequences, and you learn, okay, the protagonist Connor from Assassin's Creed 3 is actually the son of, um, it's the son, it's the son, his grandfather is the protagonist in Assassin's Creed Black Flag, because, um, yeah, you don't see you don't see the sun until later on in um, in uh, in in Black Flag at the end of the at the end of the game. But after all of that, it just shifts into animus stories and how you know the assassins and Templars, blah blah blah. And then you go to Assassin's Creed Origins about ancient Egypt, and you learn okay, ancient Egypt. This is where the order of Sh- um, the hidden ones were created. Basically, the pseudo assassins before they became the order. Go further back to ancient Greece. You learn about how the Templar Order was created. I think they're, I forgot what they were called, Order of the Serpent or something. And then you fast forward 100 years after Odyssey and you learn about uh, more about how the Assassin, no, sorry, after Origins, you learn about how the Hidden Ones are becoming their own organized order and how I guess one of their order is basically the incarnation of like Loki or something. Um, but it, they went too far back to explain the history of Templars versus Assassins, and it threw everybody off because a lot of people just wanted to see what happened in the now. Yeah. And you don't see a lot of that. You see a lot of, like, what's happening in the now is this team of people is running away from Abstergo and logging into the Animus in, like, this special, it looks like a coffin, but they just lay there and they're hooked up to their to the Animus to find secrets it has nothing to do with desmond anymore but you're learning about the one the ones who came before i think they're called the izu um the people with the apple of eden the people who created that technology and stuff and how their world got obliterated and how they wanted to recreate society and everything it got super deep into that over the games and you even come across you'll see 
you'll have interactions with old characters through these games, um, whether it be through like a memory strand or like a flashback somehow of like your ancestor or something. Um, but a lot of people don't have the patience for it. I had the patience for it because I like the entire lore. So I'll just sit through it and, and learn, okay, so this is how this ties into this. I'm one of those people that seeks out how all of this happened in the now. So it's like telling people to watch Clone Wars, the animated cartoon, uh, to understand Star Wars more. If you watch the Clone Wars, you will understand exactly how the empire came to be you'll see how stupid the jedi were in the tv show and why the emperor was so successful the same thing goes with assassin's creed you'll see how the assassins got themselves so fucked and how the templars are controlling the world and everything if you go back and play these old you know these old styled games ancient greece ancient egypt ancient norway and you learn about their stories and how it all cascades down to Assassin's Creed 1, 2, 3, 4, which are, you know, current day and shit. Or even, even Syndicate. No, Syndicate is different, but, and so is Unity, but whatever. So, all, they're, what they're doing with Mirage is they're going to Baghdad and they're going to keep it like the old games. And then they're making Assassin's Creed China. No, not China. China's a mobile game. Japan. They're finally doing Japan. But it's going to be open world RPG like the current games are. So it's going to be, it's not going to be anything like the first four games. It's going to be more, um, you're going to have a lot more exploration and freedom to check out feudal Japan and everything as a, as a ninja, basically. So that should be cool because everyone's been wanting that for years, including myself. I've wanted to see Assassin's Creed in a Japanese setting because essentially that's what, like, the, the Assassins back then were the ninjas. They were just, farmers and broke people that needed to use guerrilla tactics to kill people and whatever that were, you know, aggravating them and whatnot. So that should be pretty interesting. Um, Sounds like they wrote themselves into a wall. Let's just say it's by design. And they're like, well, fuck, we don't really know how to continue forward. So let's just tell a whole bunch of backstory. Yeah. Yeah, that's or either that and um, it's probably a mix of that as well as we have this story. Let's create a prequel story because we need to create a prequel story. There's too many people do that. They'll have a main story and then they'll create all this prequel story that nobody asked for. And they'll just go from there and then they'll make sequels later. Look at Star Wars. You have current story. Let's go in the past and then they go in the future. You know, I I don't know what to tell you with all that. Nobody, nobody wanted the past. No, nobody really cared. I, I, I don't mind the history of Darth Vader, but it's like we didn't really need this for the story. It was totally fine as it was. That's that all take on Star Wars. The prequels is the funniest <laughs> thing I've ever heard. Oh, yeah. Of, yeah. Didn't didn't you come with me to see him live and perform that that uh, that bit? He Was, was like that a, a I think that was in Hollywood, yeah. Yeah, yeah, you went, it was you, me, Sean, and I think Simon or someone else. Yeah. That was that was I, fun. He was testing new material, and he used that bit. I was like, this is funny. <laughs> Did you – oh, I've been meaning to ask you. Have you checked out the Pete and Sebastian podcast or no? No. Is that Pete Holmes and someone? Pete Corielli. Oh, no, I have not. Okay. It, yeah, but it's like you asked last time. It's it's two guys just talking about random shit. But it's funny because half of the stuff you'll agree with, 
that people do weird things. Like, for example, Sebastian Maniscalco has a problem with people taking their shoes off on the plane because that's disgusting and nobody wants to smell your stinky feet on a fucking five-hour airplane. Um, Or he'll complain about people asking you for their seat and his counter argument, and I agree with him, is shut the fuck up. I paid for this seat. You can't have it. I'm not going to move because your family couldn't batch together three seats in a row. You sit the fuck back there and you suffer for the next six hours. I would totally, I totally want to do that. I've never had that issue, but I agree. You pay, you pay for what you get. You know, you get what you pay for. Yeah. And that applies to airlines and shit, but, um, Shit, I do want to talk more, but unfortunately, we're running close to... We, we actually went over the, the mark a bit, so um, as much as I'd love to talk for five hours about geeky <laughs> shit, it's not going to be able to fit on the podcast website because there's like a 150 megabyte limitation. So I'm going to have to cut this short. We can continue it next week. Hopefully, John will be here. But thank you, boss. Thank you, Uni, for hanging out today. I appreciate it. Um, hopefully, we can see you guys next week. Um, thank you to all the listeners for listening to this episode of For the Geeks Podcast. That's going to do it for us today. You can find us on the links in the description below. The link tree will take you to our Patreon. You can help us out. It only costs $1 um, just to show your support. We'll be This episode should start airing on Tuesdays around noon. I think that's what we agreed on. The video will probably be up on Wednesday around the same time because um, I usually upload it on Wednesdays anyway. And we should be doing a GameCast soon. I talked about it with uh, some uh, John, I believe, because Xbox, Microsoft is having their direct um, presentation on January 25th, so 10 days from now. On a Wednesday, we'll be able to create a GameCast for that. So that's on the second podcast, also found in our link tree. Um, if you need to find any of uh, my socials, um, I'll post it. In the description as well, at Seeger Plays, at Seeger VFX, all that good stuff for Twitter and Instagram. At For the Geeks with two S's for our YouTube channel, as well as our Twitter and one S for the Instagram and our Twitch as well. All the links will be in the link tree so you guys can open up that and check it out. So I hope you guys have a wonderful day. Thank you for joining me here. Thank you guys for listening. And um, I'll see you guys next time. Bye.